Check, check. Hey, it's working. Got so many street, uh, cords on me, I don't know which one's which. Well, good morning again. <laughs> uh, once again, I'm honored to be able to preach with you this morning. Uh, last Sunday, we had an awesome celebration outside on the front lawn. Raise your hand if you were here last week. Awesome. Wasn't that great? Besides the heat, wasn't that great? Uh, it was such a great time as we celebrated all that God is doing here at Fellowship Church. We had baptisms, we had uh, people joining the family, and uh, we, we, we finished up this vision that God has given Fellowship Church for this next season, and I just really enjoyed it. Uh, so we've talked about connection, collaboration, commission, and celebration. And did you know with this vision that we have, we even have a theme verse, who knows what the theme verse is? I'll give you a hint, it's 1 Thessalonians 2, 8. If you know it, just shout it out. That's what I thought, that's what I thought. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Does that ring any bells? Awesome, okay, good. 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, 2, 8, yeah. So, how great is that scripture? Like to me, that's what it's all about. Because we loved you so much, we were not forced, but delighted. We were propelled by our love for you to share not just the gospel, we're not just preaching at you, we're sharing our lives with you as well. I love that that's just a beautiful picture of discipleship, isn't it? It's living life together in Christ. It's sharing with one another's burdens it's celebrating the victories. And so that's what I wanna focus on today. We're talking about this theme of unity, this theme of togetherness that we see in this scripture, uh, but in this verse, but also throughout all of scripture. And so unity in the body of Christ is so essential today especially. But it's hard, right, because the world around us is so divided. And I fear that we've allowed some of that division to kind of creep in to the church at times. I've seen Christians on social media saying things like, if you're afraid, just stay inside. Don't infringe on my rights. I've seen others say they're calling for us to remember Romans 13, that we're supposed to obey local authorities. I've heard Christians say, if you love Jesus, you will wear a mask. And I've heard Christians say, if you love Jesus, you won't wear a mask. And there's just so much debate, so much information, and nothing really seems clear, does it? Now, I understand that Christians debating Christians is like nothing new. It's been going on for a while, but we need to realize that it's also something that Scripture strongly warns against. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ that I know this, you and I are united to something and someone so much greater than the pandemic and its debates. Now, there's a, speaking of division, there's a great divide in the Alexander household, okay? And it's been there for years, and I, I'm, I'm tired of us tiptoeing around this, Megan. We gotta call this out in front of God and all of his people. This is a very vital topic, and we need to address this right now. The division in our household is myself and Abby Wren prefer Taco Bell, and Megan and the boys prefer Sonic. And today we gotta put this argument to rest. I have found definitive proof that Taco Bell is superior 
over Sonic. This is the top 10 most successful restaurant chains in the world. Now I know Taco Bell's at the bottom, but it made top 10. Sonic did not make top 10. It did not make top 20. It made 22nd. All right, so can we put it to rest? Can we be unified once and for all, Megan? Can we say that we, can we bring our household back together in unity? But isn't that what we do? Like we, we feel like unity is people agreeing with us, right? We feel like, well, if you agree and I agree on the same thing, then we're unified. Uh, but really what we want more than unity, we just want people to agree with us, don't we? And so today, uh, I wanna talk about what is unity, what is togetherness, and then secondly, how do we achieve unity and togetherness in such a divided time? And I'm not just talking about here at church, I'm talking about in your families, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, every place that you have influence, we need to have unity. And I think we'll see that the Bible addresses this issue and actually gives us some really practical steps toward achieving greater unity. So we're gonna hit on that and then uh, we'll take communion and, and we'll be done. Does that sound good? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for every person here today. <clears throat> Lord, help us to be unified. Help us to be one. There's so much division in the world around us. God, may we safeguard against any of that division and dissension coming in here to fellowship. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. So I did a word study in togetherness. Do you know what the definition of togetherness is? The state of being together. I studied unity too, and its definition is the state of being united. So uh, I had to kind of create my own definition. And so here's my definition of unity developed harmony between members of a group who share a common goal. Unity is developed harmony between members of a group who share a common goal. And so as I was studying this week and, and researching, I found three different things that really kind of kept popping out of the scriptures at me as I was, as I was reading up on unity and togetherness. And, and so uh, I, I, we're gonna have three steps today so that we can take to achieve greater unity. Step number one, identity. Step number one is identity. Ephesians four, verses one through six. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So right out of the gate, Paul is reminding us and the church in Ephesus here to live according to a higher standard. He says in another translation, I'm begging you, Lead a life worthy of your calling. What is our calling? It's to be a child of God. That's our identity. That's 
who we are. Whatever our past, present, and future looks like does no longer defines us. Being a child of God in covenant relationship with Jesus Christ is who we are. Your story is no longer what happened to you when you were young. Your story is no longer what that person said or did to you. That's not your story. Your story is that you were dead in your trespasses and God came in and saved us through the blood of Jesus Christ by grace through your faith. You have been saved and you are now right with God and you are a child of his. He has adopted you. I think these things happen to us in our lives and if we're not careful, they kind of leech onto us like, like, you know, just like leeches. Um, but they, they, they become a part of us. And so when we tell our stories, we, we include these things that happen to us. And, that's, and I think what Paul is trying to say here is that's no longer you. That's not who you are. And I also love that he says, live with humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now he's very intentional in saying, bearing with one another in love. Now if we all agreed on every little thing, we wouldn't have to bear with one another in love. He's saying that there are disagreements, they're going to happen and we need to bear with one another in love. Sometimes unity comes from agreeing to disagree on the minor things of our faith and choosing to love one another with humility and gentleness and patience. See, sometimes I think we mistake unity for uniformity. Uniformity is everybody the same, look the same, talk the same, feel the same, act the same. And that's not what God wants. He wants us to be unified. We all have different paths and, and different ways of living life and we come together and we're the body of Christ unified as one living out our calling as children of God. Galatians 3.28, he's, he's talking about this identity stuff again. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, disunity sometimes stems from an identity crisis. We don't know him as our father, and so we don't know who we are, and we've adopted an orphan spirit and we find identity in these other things. And Paul is saying here, stop identifying yourself with worldly things, these temporary things. You're now better than that. You're a child of God through faith. Church, please fight against the urge, the temptation to identify first as a Democrat or Republican, left wing or right wing, vaccinated or unvaccinated, masked or not masked, even husband, father, son, wife, mother, daughter, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, you are first and foremost a child of God. Why would we ever settle for an identity less than that with these temporary things? We have the most loving father who has adopted us. He's put his spirit in us and he has seated us among the heavenly places and he's given us everything we ever needed. I think the enemy can sometimes use this tribalism mentality, this us and them separation mentality to cause dissension and disunity even in the church. First step toward greater unity is identity. Step number two, surrender. More specifically, we're surrendering to a vision. Philippians 2 verse 1, 
Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So Paul is, is establishing a foundational reminder that we've been united with Christ by grace through faith, we've been made one. And he says, have you been encouraged by that fact? Have you been comforted by that? If so, be like-minded, love each other, and be of one spirit and one mind. Now this like-mindedness, he's not using that the way we use it today. We kind of mean we think the same way. We kind of agree on some things. It most accurately translated like-mindedness into, it means having a like purpose. That's the way it's most accurately translated, having a like purpose. You see, you and I, we need to surrender ourselves to his vision and his goals for our lives. We surrender our schedules and our expectations, our plans and our goals. We humble ourselves and submit to his way. And we realize maybe we don't have everything figured out. Maybe we're wrong in some areas and we need God to show us. For example, he chose the Israelites to become a nation unto themselves and brought them together to learn his laws and his ways. So he led them out of slavery, protected and provided for them in the desert, and then led them into the promised land. You see, God gave Moses that vision, that purpose to lead God's chosen people out of slavery and into the promise. God has given Trey and the leadership here at Fellowship a vision and a purpose for Fellowship Church. Different leaders, same God. Will you follow him? Will you surrender to his vision? When God's people join together and do uh, together for God's purpose, he does God things. So the first step to greater unity is identity. Second step toward unity is surrender. And the third step is worship. It's just simply worship. Acts 2, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, maybe I'm just naive, but I can't imagine a situation where I am on my knees in worship and I've got my hands lifted high and I'm praising God, giving him everything that I've got and I'm uh, meditating on how good he is and his attributes and I'm giving him all of my praise and worship. Man, you guys are here next to me and we're all on our knees and we're worshiping God with everything we got. I can't imagine a situation where I would stop, tap you on the shoulder, guess what I heard? Well, Billy Bob was at the bar last night now he's serving, and I just don't think that's right. <laughs> or maybe I tap on the shoulder over here and I say, you know, the worship's just a little too loud. Like, can they turn the drums down a little bit? You know, like worship, true worship changes our perspective. It makes those things grow strangely dim. You guys know that hymn. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, worship changes our perspective we find ourselves grumbling and complaining 
about minor things, we should check our hearts. Ask yourself, how's my prayer life right now? Am I taking time every day to read scripture and to be with God and worship him? Me personally, I struggle with that. If I find that I'm frustrated by things that wouldn't normally frustrate me, if I'm becoming a little bit cynical about people, uh, I really, it's almost always because I've let my prayer and my worship life slip. Did you know that each instrument on the stage here is tuned to a certain standard? Now that standard is 440 hertz. Just a little FYI there. If you don't like the sermon, you can at least go home and say, I learned something. Standard is 440 hertz. And so we achieve this, uh, this standard tuning because we all have our own personal tuners and we, we tune to that and they're set to the standard. Now, if for, if, if for some reason all of the band came in and forgot their tuners, and so Steve uh, would have to tune his bass to my guitar and then Darren would tune his guitar to Steve's bass and Kenny would tune drums to the guitar and then Jeremiah would turn, tune Cajon. Like one strum and you guys would hear something was terribly off. You see where I'm going with this, right? The fact is, we have to tune ourselves to the standard, not to those around us. When you and I tune into Jesus, the standard, and we look to his goodness and vision he's given us, we're more unified and harmonious than we ever could have been if we had stayed inwardly focused and comparing ourselves to those around us. When God's people join together for God's purpose, he does God things. And that's why worship is so vital to greater unity. In closing, in Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that you and I today would be united, that we would love one another so that the world would know that Jesus is who he says he is. Togetherness and unity is not an option, church. It's absolutely essential and it's absolutely possible. When we look at the divide that was there between us and God, our sin had separated us from God and, and it seemed pretty impossible that we could have ever been rectified and, and brought back together. But God does what he does and he made a way and the veil that once separated us from God was torn and so that we can have intimacy and togetherness and unity with God. And it's the same for us. How great a gap there was between us and God. How much smaller that gap is in comparison between you and I. If God can unify us, he can unify us. We don't have to look the same, feel the same, talk the same, to be on the same page. Sharing life together in Christ. If the band wants to come on up now, we're gonna move into communion. On Jesus' last night with those disciples, and we're talking, he had three years of living together, of sharing life together with these men, these brothers of his. Three years of talking and laughing and crying, sharing life together. On his last night with those disciples, he took some bread 
and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the dinner was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God. He gave it to his disciples. And he said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of my new covenant. Pour it out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We're gonna take communion here in a minute. Um, if you haven't grabbed your cups, you can do that now. Before you partake, I want you to know that this table here is a table of unity. It's an open table. This is not exclusive to Methodists and Baptists, Pentecostal. Jesus is inviting you, everyone who loves him and seeks to grow in his likeness. Let's pray. I'm gonna give you guys a moment of silent prayer and then I'll lead us in a confessional. Would you pray? Merciful God, we confess that we've not loved you with our whole heart. We've failed to be an obedient church. We've not done your will, we've broken your law, we've rebelled against your love. We've not loved our neighbors and we've not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Hear this good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Now, if you would, you can take your cups out and open the first lid, access the bread. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Amen. You can partake. Open up the juice lid. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. God, we thank you so much for your body and your blood. Thank you for the unity that you have brought into our relationship with you and our relationship with others. God, we repent of anything that we may have said or done in the past that may have caused disunity. Lord, may our hearts and our words bring us together. God, that we may have a restored identity through you. 
know that we are your children first. God, that we will surrender to your vision, your purpose for our lives and for our church. And that we would worship, that we would prioritize time with you every day. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna just do kind of a soft, about 60 seconds of soft music. This is a great opportunity for you to come. The altar is open for prayer. If you need to address anything with the Lord, now's the time. And then we'll, we'll finish out with our song.